How'd you do on 2012's New Year's resolutions? I was very optimistic last year. I made 12 very difficult resolutions. And I'm pleased to report today that I have kept them all faithfully all year. Kept them in this envelope in my upper right-hand drawer. (laughs) We make a lot of jokes about New Year's resolutions because we don't always do well at them, do we? Some uh, jokes about resolutions are have a little more truth in them than others. Here's a famous Charlie Brown story that I think has quite a bit of truth in it. You, you know the story of Lucy and Charlie Brown and the football. Lucy always gets Charlie to kick the football and talks him into it, even though every time he tries, she picks it up at the last moment and he falls flat on his back. Well, this time in this Schultz strip, she begged him to kick the ball one more time, and he said, no. He said, every time I kick the ball, you remove it, I fall on my back. So they went back and forth, and finally Lucy started crying, broke down in tears. She said, Charlie Brown, I've been so terrible to you over the years. I pick up the football like I do every time. I've played so many cruel tricks on you. I've seen the error of my ways. I've seen the hurt look in your eyes when I've deceived you. And I've been wrong, so wrong. Won't you give a poor penitent girl one more chance? Well, Charlie was moved. He saw her grief and uh, he was moved. So he said, well, of course, I'll give you another chance. So he stepped back, Lucy put the ball down, he ran at it as hard as he could. At the last moment, Lucy picked it up and Charlie fell flat on his back. Charlie looked up at Lucy and she said, recognizing your faults and actually changing your ways are two different things, Charlie Brown. (laughs) Kind of the way resolutions are, aren't they? We recognize things that need changing, but actually changing your ways is a very different thing. And a lot of times at this time of year, I have done kind of self-help sermons, if you will, on how to make a good resolution, how to keep a resolution, how to be uh, to write your goal down and to make it specific and make it measurable and get some accountability, and, and all those are good things. All those help when we're making most resolutions. That's all good stuff. But sometimes I think all of that's really kind of unnecessary. I think really, truly, bottom line, on on most changes in life, when we need to change your behavior, when we want to lose some weight, when we want to eat different or exercise different or read the Bible more or quit this or start that, most of the time... When you make your mind up to do it, I mean really make your mind up to do it, that's when it works. All the other stuff helps. But if you haven't really made your mind up to do it, if you haven't really committed, you haven't really decided this is something I am going to do, then all that other stuff doesn't work. And 
resolution fizzles out and they're still in the envelope at the end of the year. Paul said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. But when you renew your mind, when you, you really set it on what you want to, you'll accomplish it. That's how all the motivational speakers make their living, is trying to convince you to convince yourself to make your mind up. And when you really make your mind up, you'll get what you make your mind up to do. Now, that's for most things, and I kept saying that, most resolutions, most changes, most things in your life. But there are some things that you need more help with, spiritual things. There are spiritual problems and and spiritual difficulties in life that... Zig Ziglar and Joel Osteen and that kind of hell, that doesn't cut it. They're talking about making your mind up. They're talking about all those self-help kind of positive thinking things that will change a lot of things in life. But there's some spiritual problems that we can't handle. It's one reason we started the program that we did here uh, over a year ago, Celebrate Recovery, that's it's uh, been a great tool and getting better all the time. It, it helps people with hurts, habits, and hang-ups find the one who can help. There's things in life we just can't handle by ourselves. Celebrate Recovery is one tool to point people to the one who can help. He's in here. Let me let me show you something that Paul said about this fresh start that we're talking about today. It's in Second Corinthians. It's in chapter five, and it starts in verse seventeen. It talks about being new, being different, having a fresh start. Paul says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone; the new has come." All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We're therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us, We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain, for he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, and in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Now, Jesus knew that Paul was going to write that. This is about a new creation and becoming ambassadors of Christ and how God reconciles people to himself. And I think Jesus probably knew that's a little heavy for us. We might not get that unless... We saw it in the flesh. 
unless we knew what Paul was talking about. So Jesus gave us an illustration. Jesus went to the well, and he waited for that woman. And when we see that story and, and we understand what happened there, then I think we maybe will understand 2 Corinthians 5 a little bit better. That story, as we read just part of it, started a little bit before we started reading. It started with a woman in her home who, in the middle of the day, sighed deeply and picked up the empty jar and opened the front door. And she was blinded for a moment by the noonday sun. It was so bright outside she couldn't see for a little bit. And then when her eyes got readjusted, she ducked and stepped out the door. And it was quiet outside. And no one around. No one else on the street. She was alone. She began to walk to the outskirts of town because she needed water for the house wasn't a good time to get water. It wasn't even a good time to be outside. It was the sixth hour. The, the sun was at its peak. And the hot Palestinian sun beat down on everything, including the woman. Now, she could have gone to another time, a cooler time. But the problem with that was if she, if she went at a cooler time, there would be other women at the well. And she didn't want that. And you might ask why, and the answer is, well, she was the town's bad girl. She was the one in town that the other women wouldn't talk to. Nobody would talk to her. You see, she had had five husbands. Been married five times. And now she was living with another man, and she wasn't married to him. Do you understand who she was? Five times she'd tried to start over. Five times she had tried to get her life right. She decided, oh, this is going to be a fresh start. This is going to be different. I'm going to build a new life. But evidently, by this time, she'd given up on that plan. She hadn't even married this guy. She'd given up on marriage, probably given up on happiness. She had accepted being the outcast. Going to get your water at noon when nobody else went. And as she got closer to the well, she was amazed, but there was somebody at the well. In fact, there was a man sitting beside the well. And she hesitated, I'm sure, to decide whether I should go on or go back home and come back later. But she needed the water, so she went on. She lowered her eyes, and she hoped that if she ignored him, maybe he'd ignore her. But he didn't ignore her. She began to get her water, and this man looked at her and asked her for water. Now, that was shocking. He shouldn't have asked her for water. He shouldn't even have spoken to her. As she was a woman, he was a man. In those days, men didn't speak to women in public unless their father or husband was there with them. On top of that, he was a Jew. She was a Samaritan. Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, kind of like the Jews and Palestinians don't get along today. That's what it was like. On top of that, she was, well, she was living in sin. 
And nobody spoke to her. She wasn't used to anybody speaking to her, but, but this man did. And after he asked her for water, she talked to him a little bit, and he offered her living water. That kind of confused her. She, she had to ask some questions about that. She had to think about that because he was talking about some kind of water that would quench her thirst and she'd never be thirsty again and that would give her eternal life. And she didn't know about that. And as she was trying to figure that out, this guy gets personal with her. He mentions her husband. And she says, well, I don't have a husband. He said, I know. You've had five. But the man you're living with isn't your husband. And he brought up all this past, all these failed marriages, all these disappointments, all these fresh starts that didn't work out. He wasn't condemning her. He just knew it. He just knew that's the way she was. And at some point, she realized what he was talking about. That this living water he was talking about was some kind of fresh start. That it was a brand new beginning. And she knew, she had been conditioned to know that that wasn't possible. I mean, she'd lost five times. And so she didn't want to talk about it. So she slammed the door in his face. She changed the topic. Since he was a Jew and she was a Samaritan, she brought up a religious question about where you're supposed to worship. You worship in the mountain like we believe, or you worship in Jerusalem like you Jews believe. or one of, Let's talk about that, but we're not going to talk about my life. We're not going to talk about my pain. We're not going to talk about all my mess-ups. And Jesus just came back. And talk to her some more about the living water. At some point, she started to think maybe this guy's the Messiah. And so she brought that topic up. And he said, yes, I am. And when she heard that, she, she realized that maybe there was something to this living water thing. That maybe she really could have some kind of fresh start. Now, I wish that the Holy Spirit had recorded a lot more of this conversation. He put just enough in so we know the basics of the story, but he didn't tell us exactly what all was said. Because, But at some point, she figured out Jesus was the Messiah, and he could give her a fresh start, even though she couldn't get it by herself. She figured out he could help her. She decided, everything I've tried hadn't worked. But if I let him do it, he can. Now, now she looked just the same, but she was different inside. She felt different. She felt like a new creation. She didn't feel like an outcast anymore. And that was good news. Things had changed in her because of Jesus. She had been reconciled to God. 
Now understand Jesus was on the earth. His, his New Testament wasn't in effect yet. And how all that worked back then, we're not sure, but it worked. She had walked to the well without a friend, without a hope, without any possibility of happiness in her life. And now she ran back into town different. She ran back into town. All of a sudden she was an ambassador for this guy. She ran back into town telling people, I found the Messiah. He told me everything I've ever done. He knew all about my life. And he promised me living water. Where I'll never be thirsty again and where I'll have eternal life with him. She, she knew it all. And the town listened to her. The town believed her. The town went out to Jesus. And for two days, Jesus talked to them. And many believed that he really was the Savior. Does that picture help you understand 2 Corinthians 5 any? If you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Once you know him, you're different. Even though you couldn't do it by yourself. And if you understand that, maybe that'll make a difference. Now, in a crowd of seven, eight hundred people, I'm going to guess we got some losers here. I'm going to bet we even got some five-time losers. That have been trying to fix the hurts or habits or hang-ups in their life by themselves and they hadn't succeeded. Now, I know a whole lot of us cover up and say, no, things are going well. Yeah, I could tune this up a little bit and this needs a little fix, but in general, I'm doing good. I know there's a lot of that goes on in a group this large. But I know there's also some folks that have fallen apart, have over and over tried the fresh start thing. And maybe always at this time of year, this year, I'm going to fix this or change this or do this or start this or stop that. They find out they can't do it. There's probably some here have got to the point where they have no hope. They've just quit trying. Let me tell you something. The man at the well is still handing out living water. Still doing it. What you have to decide, if you're in that category where you've tried and tried and just can't do it, what you've got to decide is if you're going to slam the door in his face or keep changing the subject or keep lying to yourself that everything's all right, keep telling yourself that you can do it, or are you going to give up and let him start doing it? That's what 2 Corinthians 5 is about. Now you may ask, well, how's exactly it work? I don't know how it works. I just know it does. I've seen it. I've seen it in people's lives. I don't even know when you will decide to turn it over to him. I know when you ought to. <laughs> Paul said today is the day of salvation. Today is when you ought to. To turn it over to him. And maybe 
by looking at that story and by reading Second Corinthians 5 and talking about it a little bit, maybe some of you started thinking, well, I do need to start over. I, I do need a fresh start. Now let me guess, your next thought is, I need a fresh start, but not right now. It's another few days till 2013. I'll start in 2013. I'll get through the holidays. I'll get through all of that. I'll get the family gone back home. I'll get the relatives sent away. And then January will be maybe next month. Maybe some other dates in your mind. All of those options are suggested by Satan. That's where they're coming from. What Jesus says is today is the day of salvation. So everything else you're plugging in there is coming from somebody else. Not the right answer. Let me tell you a parable. Then tell you a true story and we'll be done. The parable is a number of centuries ago. 1500s. In the, the courtyard in Florence, Italy, there was a huge block of Carrera marble. But it had been ruined. The, the workman who was working on it and, and trying to get it ready for whatever they were preparing it for had damaged it. There were imperfections in it. He had bungled it. And so they just left it there. They called it the giant because it was such a huge block of marble. They didn't know what to do with it because it was obviously ruined. There was a young sculptor who named Michelangelo who came and looked at it and they saw him looking at it and they said, do you think you could do anything with that? And he thought and looked and circled the marble and marked off where the imperfections were and Studied and thought and made a sketch and he decided he could do something with it. So he started to carve on that piece of ruined marble. For three years he worked at it. He chiseled away and chiseled away until the towering figure of David came out of it. I've seen that sculpture, the David Probably the second most amazing thing I've ever seen in this world of earthly things. When he was finished with it, one of his students looked at it and he said, Master, it lacks only one thing, and that is speech. Because it looks alive. That's the parable. The true story is about a man named Pat Summerall. You sports fans, you football fans that are old enough, remember Pat Summerall. He was an NFL star for the Giants back in the 50s. Then he became a broadcaster after his football career, and he became one of the, the best. Broadcast a number of Super Bowls. He worked with John Madden for many years, and that team became probably the best announcers ever. But during his broadcast career, in fact, during his whole life, he had been quite a partier. In fact, he admitted that 
when we were broadcasting, he and Madden together, he said, we worked hard, but we partied hard. Off the field, he said, I was the first guy at the bar and the last one to leave. And it got so bad in his life that finally he checked himself into the Betty Ford Clinic. And as he was being treated for his alcoholism, he relates the story. He said at the Betty Ford Clinic, he said, there were two books you could read. That's all there was. You could read the AA Bible or you could read the Bible. He said, and I tried the AA Bible for a while, but it was just story after story of alcoholics. So I started reading the Holy Bible. And he said, I got interested. I, it, I began to wonder about all of this. And he read and he read more and he read about Jesus and he kept reading until finally he asked to be baptized. He told a reporter one time that when the minister leaned him back into the water, he said, I never felt so helpless. I, I knew that I just became a Christian. And I can't tell you how great life has been since then. He was 66 then. And he still tells the story of the change that happened in his life. You are imperfect. I don't know anything about a lot of you, but I know you are imperfect. And I know that you're helpless when there are spiritual problems in your life. What can wash away your sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make you whole again? What can make you new again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. If you need that spiritual change, if you need to break that cycle of trying by yourself and failing by yourself, 2 Corinthians 5 still says, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Today is the day of salvation. If you need to be a new creature today and change your life with his help, I invite you to come. Let's stand and sing.